Amen. Praise the name of the Praise Lord. Jesus. Praise you, Lord. If you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. Ephesians 4, we'll begin reading in verse 7. Bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. The book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, when you got it, say so. And it says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says... When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, gave him, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God, thank you so much for your beautiful presence in this place today. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to be before you, God, to worship and to adore you, Lord God. I thank you this morning, Lord, for the privilege that it is to share your word. We thank you for its inspiration. And we pray now, God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. I pray that we would not be idle hearers of your word, but that we would be faithful respondents and doers of your word. I pray that you give us the faith to respond to you, Lord God. And I thank you for all of this. And I pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and just hold it up for a moment and make sure we'll hold it up until the ushers bring you one and that way they know you need one. Um, these outlines are helpful. You're able to follow along with me in the introduction of the sermon and you are also able to take notes. I think note taking is very important. I try to encourage that. Um, and then I also encourage the same thing every week because I really want you to get, get into the mindset and the understanding that we are all called to make disciples. And so the way that we make disciples is simply by sharing with others what we are learning. And so while you're sitting here and you're hearing the word of God preached to you, taking notes, writing things down, talking, you know, about answering the questions there about what you feel the Lord spoke to you about how you're going to apply this, you can share with someone else. And so I encourage you again, if you do not have someone 
someone in your life, right? If you do not have someone in your life that you are discipling, that you are mentoring, that you are helping grow in the faith, I encourage you to pray and to be active in finding that someone who you can pour into because trust me, there's someone that God wants to use you to build them up in their faith. Amen? All right, and so we are here in the book of Ephesians. We are continuing in our core four series. We are in the second, um, the, the second um, message regarding the serving portion of what we say every Sunday. Pastor Chad leads us in that faithfully, and I appreciate that, and is that we are committed to loving God. We are committed to growing together. We are committed to serving. We are committed to reaching others. I mean, reaching others and serving. I got them backwards there. But we're committed to serving is what we're dealing with right now. And the reason why this becomes so important to us is because the title of this message is serving is how we grow. And so when we look at serving, right, serving, you know, a, 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 a lot of times we don't want to serve, right? We, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, we want to do things, but that doesn't mean that we want to serve. Hear what I'm saying? There's sometimes you want to do stuff, but serving is a different, is something different. Serving is something that you have to fulfill a requirement. You have to bring something to completion. It's not just doing stuff, right? It's not just, you know, coming in and checking in. I'm just going to do something right now, and then I'm going to walk away later on, and, and there's no consistency, no commitment. No, serving deals with the lifestyle, right? It, it, it deals with the way that we are serving our God, and that's what I want us to talk about. And so in the first message here, or in the first paragraph here, in our first message on serving, we should have come to clearly understand that as image bearers of Jesus, we are to embrace the universal call for all believers to serve selflessly, intentionally, and sacrificially for the glory of God. And so those are the three points that we dealt with last week, right? That we are image bearers. And because we're image bearers, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I did not come what? I did not come to be served, but I came to serve, right? And so we realize that serving is rooted in what? It is rooted in our identity and who we are as believers. We also learned last week as we talked, as, as I reminded you, that when Jesus called us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And then the second command was like it was to love your neighbor as yourself. I said that there were three ways that we love people, right? We love those who don't know Jesus or we love those who know Jesus by growing together with them in gospel-centered relationship. We love those who don't know Jesus by reaching them with the gospel. And we love those who, who know Jesus and don't know Jesus by serving them with gospel motivation. And so the reality is when we are serving someone, Someone based on gospel motivation and they don't know Jesus, it is, it is for what purpose? It's so we can image Christ, so we can reflect Christ to them, so we can show them Jesus, and it opens up the doorway for us to share the message of the gospel. And for those who are Christians and those who are believers, we want to serve because what? Because we want to help them be edified, right? This morning I introduced you to Brother Eric Lugo and, and on, on the keyboards. Can y'all just give him a hand of praise? I mean, I appreciate him being, being led by the Spirit and, you know, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to use him, but he wants to serve, not because he wants to showboat, not because he wants to be seen or he wants to be known, but he, he wants to serve because of what? Because he wants us to be able to experience God in deeper ways. That's it. He wants to serve us. He wants to be able to minister to the people, and that should be the heart. Whatever you're gifted in, Right? Whatever area you're gifted in it, you know, and I, I love my brother Angel um, Santana because he, you know, he tells us, you know, from the beginning, he's like, look, man, I may not be able to do much, but these hands are here to serve. He just wants to be, be able to serve however he can serve. 
And so the point is, there are some people that are real specific and they really know exactly what it is they're called to do. And there's other people, you know, they're just ready to serve however they can. And so the reality is we have to have that kind of heart because we want to bring edification to people's lives. But the motivation has to be love, right? The motivation has to be the gospel. And, and, and something that I was thinking about, you know, someone asked me a long time ago and I answered the question. They were like, well, why do Christians need the gospel? Because as you'll hear at some point in this message today, I'm going to walk you through the gospel as I do every week. But the reason why we need the gospel so much is because the reason why we do anything that we do for God, it has to be motivated in in the gospel. I don't need to, listen, I want you to understand this. I don't need to do anything for God to try to earn something from God. Are you here? I don't have to do something for God because, you know, think about this for a moment. Think about your kids, right? Now, now, now your children, do you love them based on their performance or you just love them because they're your kids? Some of y'all are like, when they perform, I love them more. <laughs> now, listen, here's what I want you to understand, right? When they perform, you're more pleased with them. Are you hearing me? You don't love them any less when they're not performing. You may be disappointed in their performance. But here's what I want you to get. They don't earn your being their parents because what? Because they perform well. Well, they brought you home straight A's. That's my child. They got F's up. I don't know that one. I don't know that, that one over there getting, you know, an unsatisfactory in behavior. I don't know that child. Hello, somebody. But here's the deal. What I want you to realize, our vision as a church is to please God, right? And we don't want to please God because we're trying to earn something from him. But the gospel tells me Jesus earned everything for me. And so my motivation to serve him is to simply say thank you for all that you gained for me. Thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for all that you have done for me, all that you have provided for me, all that you have secured for me. Because what? Because let's walk through the gospel right now. Because I was a sinner born into sin, right? Separated from you. I had no hope of salvation in and of myself. But what happened? You came to deliver me from the pits of hell. You came to deliver me from, a, from an identity that was mixed up and messed up. And you did what? You give me this offer of salvation and you allow me to come into you by faith and repentance and now guess what I have a new life I'm a new creation I'm no longer worried about going to hell but I'm secured in you but not just that right now I'm experiencing a new life I'm experiencing something inside of me and it is because of what it is because of the gospel and so the reason why I want to remind us every week is not to call you sinners because I get excited to call you sinners hello somebody I mean come on it's not for that. It's to remind us of what Jesus did so that way my motivation to serve him becomes, becomes based in one thing, and it's the gospel alone. Not just because of how I feel, because serving feels good, amen? Remember we talked about that last week? Some of us want to serve because it feels good, right? We get some satisfaction out of serving. Like when someone is, is touched by your service, right? You know, you did something for them, whatever it was. You helped someone move a couch, you know. You did something nice for someone. You helped someone change a tire. Whatever it is that you did, you know, when you serve them, it, it touched them. And that made you feel good. But listen, that cannot be the end-all motivation. The deeper motivation has to be that I want to bring glory to God because of what he did and everything. And that's everything. That's the reason why I do all the things I do. And so the second paragraph here, for the next two messages, we will continue to unpack the idea of why we serve 
as we look at the ways we serve or how we serve and look at the results of our service. Now notice this, serving is not an optional suggestion from the Lord, but a clear command and calling for all believers. Now listen, serving isn't something that I made up. It isn't something that I came up with this idea, this great idea, hey, we're all going to serve. That isn't the idea that I came up with, right? Somebody a long time ago didn't come up with this. This was God Almighty himself who commands us and calls us all to serve. It's not an option. It's not something, well, you know, I'll think about it. Nope, don't think about it. Hello. You don't need to think about it. You need to get plugged in and be about it, right? That's what needs to happen. You need to figure out, right, and I I told you all already, right, if you're not sure where you are gifted next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about gifts this week. I'll talk a little bit about gifts. Next week, I'm going to try to dig into it as much as possible. There's a lot of gifts in the New Testament, a lot of different lists of gifts in the New Testament, and so I'm not going to be able to break every single one of them down, but I'm going to touch on them. And then Pastor Aldo, he teaches a class, and it's on the gifts of the Spirit. It's nine weeks, and it goes in depth on all the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives us, and that way we can learn how to serve. And so my encouragement is, if you're not sure where you can serve well you know what you could give a pastor Aldo and I promise you you'll learn some stuff I mean we've had people that have sat in that class that walked in there and when they first came into the class they were like I'm so glad for this class because I wasn't sure where I'm called to serve and by the end of the class they were like now I know clearly where I'm gifted and where I am not hello right it's important to know both right because if you don't know where if you if you think you're gifted in an area and you're not hello somebody could be problematic for you and for some other people. You'll be frustrated and you'll be frustrating. Hello, somebody, right? Difficult, like, man, I'm gifted in this area. No, you're not. No, no, no. Just stay away from there, whatever it is. You notice I didn't even say anything. Y'all are already thinking stuff, right? Like, anyway, the point of the matter is there's some people that they know where they're called to serve. And there's some people who aspire, right, to serve in certain areas. And listen, God hasn't gifted everyone equally. I'm going to say that again. Hello. Look at the next paragraph here. When it comes to our serving and how we have been gifted, we must realize that not everyone is gifted equally, right? Let me pause for a moment. Not everyone is gifted equally, right? Everybody is gifted, but not everyone's gifted equally. But can I tell you something? And I will touch on this again next week as well. Everybody is important no matter how equal or unequal your gifting may be. Are you here? And so there's some people, you know, who who are going to be in the front and people are going to be looking at you. And you know what? They seem like they're the most important people. One of the things that I love about the leadership class, which, by the way, Pastor Aldo is going to announce it again, but I'm just going to throw it in here because I'm talking about leadership. But one of the things that I love about the leadership class that I teach here for anyone who's going to be in any type of leadership, which starts this Wednesday, the one thing that I love in there, I mean, I I like the whole class, but the one thing that I love is when we break down the different types and different styles of leadership. Because whenever you and I think of leadership, right we think of those type a personality extroverts that love to be in front of people that love to be the life of the party that love to be talking that love to hear themselves talk hello somebody right those people that they just that you think of those kind of people like everybody has to lead like him or like her and the truth of the matter is everybody has leadership abilities within them but everybody leads differently Everybody leads differently. And so it's important for us to realize that we all have been gifted. And and we haven't been equally gifted. Not everyone has the same gifts. Not everyone has the same responsibilities. But keep looking at your outline outline here. But we all are gifted based upon God-given capacity. And we will all give an account to God for our service based upon whatever gifts God has entrusted us with. Now, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 7 here. Look what it says. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given According to the measure, say the measure, of Christ's gift. Each one of us has received something based upon the measure 
of Christ's gift. And so what God does divinely is he looks, now look, now look at this. He looks at you, he looks at me before creation, and he's like, I have measured out a specific gifting, a, a specific calling, specific abilities. He measures it out, and he gives it to you, and he says, now, I want you to be faithful with it. Are you here? There's some guys, there, 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 there's, in, in the gospel, Jesus tells of the story of the talents, right? And there's one guy that receives five talents, one guy that receives two talents, one guy that receives one talent. And what do they receive this based on? If you read the parable, it says they receive this based on their ability. Where do they get this ability from? God gave them this ability. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that the Spirit gives as He wills. And so what I want you to realize is that God does what? He does this. He, he gives a measure of gifting to each of us, right? This is a beautiful thing. And so each of us, not some of us, each of us has been given a specific gift. Each one, say each one. And it's by the grace of God, right? By the grace of God, we have all been gifted, every one of us. And some people are like, oh, man, I don't have any gifts. You have some gifts. You may have one gift, right? Some people have more than one. But here's the thing. You at least have one. Hello. And so it's important for us that we walk in that. Look at verse 8. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He, he, and what, 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 what this is pointing to is what Jesus does. Jesus comes. This is the picture of a victorious king, right? A victorious warrior who goes and he leads captivity captive. When he goes and he takes people out of bondage, this is what Jesus does. This is the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus, the next couple of verses, talks about him ascending and descending. And when he comes down to this earth, what he does is he comes down here. He brings deliverance to those of us who are in bondage to sin. And in that deliverance, he does what? By his spirit. He deposits gifts into our lives. That's what he does. And so he shows us who he is. He shows us his power. And what he wants for us is he wants us to have the gifts that he's given us and bring glory to him by them. Now listen to this. Here's the big idea that I want you to get today. The church will only grow to the degree the church is willing to serve. The church will only grow to the degree that the church is willing to serve. Now, what I want, I want you to understand is that when I talk about the church growing, I am not solely talking about numbers in the church. Numbers in the church matter because what? When we see more numbers in the church, that means that we are reaching more people with the gospel. Amen? Right? And so numbers matter. But what I want you to know is I don't want you to get caught up solely on the numbers because when we're talking about growth, we're going to look at this as we continue to um, expound on this scripture here in Ephesians 4, 7, in, in Ephesians chapter 4 here. What we understand is that growth is more than just numbers. I told you about the conversation that I have with my friend, and we're talking about larger churches. And one of the questions, listen, I have no problem with larger churches. Um, and, and, you know, what I realized is, you know, his question was just, he was asking a question. He's like, but what is the health of those people in these larger churches? This is an important question. Because it's, you know, it's one thing to have people in a building. It's one thing to have people come together. But the question is, what is the quality of their spirituality? The church can only grow to the degree that the church is willing to serve. In other words, we did, you know, we, we did this, there, there are statistics that are out there, you know, that there's like the 90-10 rule, right? And it's that 10% of the people do 90% of the work, right? Or 100% of the work, right? So that means 90% of the people are doing nothing, right? I thank God for Faith Elmer Fellowship. Give y'all yourselves a hand, all right? Because it's not like that, right? If I asked you right now, right, if, let's just do that real quick. If you serve in a particular area of ministry, just stand up right where you're at. If you serve, just stand up. Stand up. Pretty good, right? Looks like a little bit more than 10%. Amen? 
Come on, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Come on. Praise the Lord. And it's okay. Now, listen, if you're sitting down, I want you to, I want you to start serving at some place, some point, right? We want you to get plugged into the church. But here's the thing, right? We want to make sure that we are serving according to God's gifting, according to God's calling, because we want the church to grow in a healthy way. Because when you have it, when the less amount of people, see, I promise you, some of those people that just stood up, most of them, not all of them, most of them are serving in more than one area. So you know what that means? There's room for you to serve. Amen? Amen. You can alleviate them from some areas that they may be serving in. Now, there's a process to all of that. We're not just going to throw you in there. You know, like, for example, you know, the Lugo family, they didn't just walk in yesterday and I said, hey, jump up here. That isn't what happened, right? You know, what happened is, you know, before, they've been here since, the, I mean, and providentially, God, you know, y'all that believe in God's sovereignty, they walked in here the second Sunday of the year when I started the Core 4 series, amen? amen? And except for him being sick, one Sunday, they've been here every Sunday since then, glory to God. And have heard these messages and learning about serving. They've gone through our vision care orientation. And so all of those things are in place, right? So what we want to realize, there's a process to us serving. You don't just, that's the reason why I said, some people want to do stuff, they don't want to serve. See, some people are like, oh, I want to do something. But no, well, wait a second. Are you willing to pay the price to do something? Like when you want to work at a job, usually you got to go through some kind of orientation, you know, like you got to fill out an application. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all praying. I, I, I don't know if y'all are in here, but some, some, some people, I'm not going to say some of y'all, but some people praying for a job, they ain't even filling out applications. Hello. <laughs> God's just going to knock on their door. Hey, I have a job for you. Come here. <laughs> Glory to God. Y'all have some serious faith. Glory to God. But the reality is there's some things we have to do in order for us to be able to serve, right? We've got to pay some kind of price. And then once we start serving, we talked about it. I'm going to talk about it again. Sacrifice, you know, service is sacrifice. And so we realize that. So the first point that I would like for you to repeat after me is this. Say, serving is serving. how we grow, how we grow. In, obedience. in obedience. Serving is how we grow in obedience. Look at verses 11 and 12. It says this. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so pause for a moment because these are what? And I'm not going to break these all down right now, but these are leadership gifts. Say leadership gifts. These are guys or, you know, these are people who are gifted for leadership, right? These are people who are gifted for leadership in the church. They're gifted to preach. They're gifted to teach. They're gifted to minister. They've been given certain gifts, right? And, and, and whatever, you know, your belief is as far as apostles and prophets, you know, and all that stuff go, what I want you to know is this, is that nowhere in the Bible, and hear me when I say this, nowhere in the Bible does it say that any of these gifts are extinct. It doesn't say that anywhere. And so what that means is God has a process. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There is a difference between the apostles of Jesus and the apostles that may be today. Are you here? There's a difference between the prophets that we see in the Bible and the prophets who were inspired to write the Bible and the prophets of today. Are you here? Y'all got a little softer on that one. Y'all were excited about the apostles, the prophets you got a little weak on. Listen to me now. Nobody has authority to rewrite scripture. Nobody has authority to write scripture again. Nobody has authority. Their words, nobody's words are at the same authority as the word of God. Are you here? My words are not at the same authority as the word of God. No matter what title is before my name, no matter how many degrees I have on a wall, no matter what, I want you to know nobody's words, no matter what, have the same authority as the scriptures. Nobody. And so the, the, the scriptures are above all, okay? So that's why I say there's different because it's, it shows us in the scriptures that the apostles and prophets were the ones who were laying the foundation in the, in, in, in the word of God. And so now evangelists, you know, we have this idea of what an evangelist is. And, I, you know, just to throw this out there, you know, what I want you to realize, an evangelist doesn't just go out and preach the gospel to others, but he equips the saints to do that. Amen. 
It's not just some guy, because this is our idea of an evangelist. He's a guy that's called to be a pastor, and he travels around and preaches until someone gives him a church. That's, that's been the idea of what an evangelist is for a long time. Like, well, I'm an evangelist until I pastor a church. Hold on a second. Time out. That's not what that, that's not what that gifting is, you know, because the next one says what? Pastors and teachers. And so then we have these different gifts, right? And so we have these different callings, these different leadership gifts that are there. So these gifts are there, and they're there for what? Look at verse 12. It says here, it says, for, say for. for. You don't have to keep repeating. I just want you to understand that it's giving us the reason for these gifts. It's not just so they stand up in front of the church. It's not just so they have authority over the church to govern the church and guide the church. It's not just so they protect the church against false teaching. It's not just for that. What I want you to see, the purpose that these gifts are given is for this. He says, for the equipping, say equipping. So you don't have to keep repeating unless I say it. For the equipping of the saints for the work. Say the work. work. Of ministry. Say of ministry. For the work of ministry. And so the reason why I've been called to preach, the reason why the other pastors, the other leaders have been called to preach, to teach, to lead, the reason for that is not so that way we can have a title before our name. It is to equip you to work. Amen. It is to equip you to serve. It is to help you to do what it is that God has called you to do. You see, we, we have to get this. Now, look, I, I want you to understand. God has chosen a specific method by which he will equip. Now, what does that word equip mean? It means to make someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. It means to furnish completely, to cause to be fully qualified. That's what it means, right? It means to make someone able to do a task. It's something that happens, right? It's that you hear the word of God, you are trained in the scriptures, and then you are called to do something with it. I pray this every week in some way, shape, or form, and it is what? It is that we will not be idle hearers of the word, but that we will be faithful respondents and that we will be doers of the word of God. Because the word of God that is being preached is not for you to just sit on. It's not for you to just sit back there and measure and say, well, I really agree with that. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. I don't, that that's, not what, that, that's not what you're supposed to be doing when you're sitting down there hearing the word of God. What you and I should be doing when we, and I put myself in there, because when I hear the scriptures, and believe me, I sit down and I don't listen to very many preachers. There are a few different guys that I listen to once in a while because I don't have time to listen to them. But when I hear them, I want you to know that I sit down wherever I'm at, typically it's when I'm driving. And while I am driving and I'm hearing the word of God preached to me, I am always saying, how am I going to apply this? What am I going to do with the words that I'm hearing? What am I going to do with the word of God that is coming into my life? Because the word of God doesn't just come to me. The word of God calls me to do something. And the reason why we have been called as pastors, leaders, teachers, the reason why we've been called is to do what? It is to equip you for the work of ministry, right? And so when we look at that, you know, that word work, what does the word work mean? It means work. Real deep Greek. It means work. It is the word ergon. It means toil. It means work. The work of ministry is that word that I used last week that talk about serving out of love, love, diakonia, right? And so it's to, it's to equip you for the toil, for the hard work 
of diaconia, of serving with love. That's, that, that's the purpose. That's the reason why you're here preaching. So you can serve based upon whatever it is that God has gifted you and whatever requirements you see coming from the word of God. And the way that he does it, he does it through those leaders. Now, let me tell you something. One of the greatest struggles, and some of you may disagree with this, and it's okay, but I want you to understand this. One of the greatest struggles within the church world today is the academic mindset that challenges the call to discipleship. We must realize that we are being built to build. The academic mindset, what do I mean? People want more Bible study. They want more of this. They want, more. They, they, want they want to learn more, right? You know, they want to go, you know, you, you go from one, like when we had our, our mentoring program, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, we had all the phases, and then there were people that were asking, well, we need like a phase, you know, five, a phase six, and I was like, okay, but what are we doing with phases one through four? Right? What are we doing with the phases that we have right now? And I'm not saying, listen, we can get deeper in Bible study. I believe in that. You know, the whole reason why we did the, the, the gospel books that we're doing is because some people said they wanted more Bible study. And I have found, and I'm just talking about what we learn in our Connect Leaders meetings, all those deep Bible study folks ain't studying. Hello, somebody. So it sounds to me like some folks are just talking to talk. Hello. Hi, I don't want to go over the sermon. Okay, well, we'll do something else. Let's see what you do there. Uh-huh. Uh, amen, somebody. Nudge your neighbor and say, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. We need deeper Bible. Okay, well, let's get deep, glory to God. Let's put on the scuba gear every connect, glory to God. And so the reality is we have this academic thing that we think, okay, you know, we think church is about this. Here's what church is. Church is about me communicating information or whoever it is, communicating information, you being informed, and now you go out the same way. No. You are supposed to be informed and transformed and live out what you're hearing. That's what's supposed to occur. What's supposed to happen is you are supposed to be informed for sure when you study the Bible that is going to happen. But what people have thought is, well, you know what? I went to Bible study. I went to connect. I went to Sunday school, whatever it is. And I've done that. And so that's it. That's all I got to do. I just got to go to these, these things. I got to do these events. But our lives need to be changed. Our lives need to be changed. See, I, lo I love what Sister Helen Strack, she posted something about this on Facebook. And one of the things that she communicated that I thought was really nice is she said this. She said, you know, when people are not taught the word of God, then they don't remember the word of God. Right? Because it's important. Sometimes it's not about doing something always. Sometimes it's simply about standing in the word of God. And so it's important for us that we do participate in Bible study. But we need to get delivered from the mindset, well, it was enough that I learned something. It was enough that I heard something. The question is, are you living something? See, obedience, I said that, that serving helps us to grow in our obedience. Obedience to the word of God is the key element to God's growth plan for the church. And remember, I'm not just talking about numbers. I'm talking about what we're going to look at next in, 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 in depth as, as far as our maturity and things like that. But hearing, but hearing the word of God or to read the word of God and not live the word of God is a sign of dead faith. Are you here? If you sit down and you hear sermon after sermon and you're not living them, you go to connect after connect and you're not being changed. Listen, I want you to know something. Here's, here, here's the straight up truth. I want you to, the only reason why we even utilize the gospel, the books that we're going through, gospel identity, gospel growth, and I can't remember the name of the next one, but the only reason is because it used to be one big book that was 36 weeks and it was called Gospel Transformation. And we went through that Bible study and we were doing Bible study before we did connect. And we went through that whole book. And you know what the thing 
that I realized is that if we sat down, and I'm, I'm telling you this straight up, if you sit down and you take the time to get into those scriptures, I promise you, your life will change. Not because, you know, I'm prophesying. You know, I'm, look, the, the word of God changes our hearts. Hello. And, and, and the applications that are in there, in these books, help us to do what? Come to terms with the realities of what God has done for us, what the gospel does for us, and how we grow in it. But you know what? If we're not, if we're not applying the scriptures, we have to ask ourselves, why? Is it because our faith is dead? That's what James says. Faith without works is dead. I have to ask ourselves something continuously. How am I responding to the word of God? Second thing, say this with me. Serving, Serving. is how we, how we grow in unity. Serving is how we grow in unity. Look at verse 13. Let me just touch real quick. Verse 12, it doesn't stop on the work of the ministry, but for the edifying of the body of Christ as well. And so there's a building up of the body of Christ that occurs. Also in verse 13 now, we look at the, what, what this building up happens. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Say the faith. He didn't say to the unity of faith. He said the unity of the faith. He's talking about a specific faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And so the purpose, again, of, this, of us as leaders, right, is to do what? Is to equip you for the work of the ministry, is to edify or to build up the body of Christ, right? That's what the Word of God does. That's what the teaching and instruction does. That's what, that, that's what happens there, right? But here's, here, here's what also occurs. What also happens is that as we serve, as we apply the Word of God, as we do that, then what happens is we come to the unity of the faith, right? So here's what I want you to get. God is building a body that is unified in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God in our pursuit of perfection and maturity and in our scriptural stability. I'll say that again. God is building a body that is unified in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God in our pursuit of perfection and maturity and in our scriptural stability. Now, here's what I want you to see. Our unity is exemplified in three areas. Our experience with God, our expression of God, and our exercise of God's truth. Let me say that one more time for you. Our unity is exemplified in three areas that we see here in these scriptures that I just looked at. The first one is our experience with God. The second one is our expression of God. And the third one is our exercise of God's truth. And so the first thing he says, that we would come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What I want you to realize is when he's talking about the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the reason why I say that that is our experience with God is because he is not talking about us coming to a unity of some fictitious feeling or something like that. It's an experience. Faith is a substance. It's an evidence, right? It's something that you know that you may not even always be able to explain it, but it's something that is right here down deep inside of your soul, and you didn't come about it by yourself. God put it there. Amen? Right? And the knowledge of the Son of God, that word knowledge is the word epignosis, which is not just regular knowledge, right? But it is experiential knowledge. It is coming to a fuller and clearer knowledge of who God is, and it's through our experience with Him. Are you getting this? What God does, He calls us into unity in our what? In our experience with God. 
Now, listen, everybody's experience is different. If we all stood up in here right now and we gave our testimony, every one of us has a different way that we came to faith in Jesus. Just the other day, we did our vision care orientation. And in that class, the people that were in the classroom, you know, some of them were raised in church, you know, and so they, you know, they, they, they pretty much have grown up in the faith. There were others that, you know, they were raised in church, but there was a certain time where they recognized, you know, man, I need to come to faith in Jesus. There's other people like myself. You know, I was raised in church for a little while with my grandmother taking me to church, and then my mother got saved when I was 17 years old, and by the glory of God, and I love saying this, she gave me life twice, amen? She led me to Jesus, and I was born again because of her prayers and because of her faithfulness to minister to me, and so I have a different experience of coming to faith in Jesus. But here's what I want you to know, is that we can all experience God. Are you here? We should all, and listen, and, I'm, and I want you to get this, I am not telling you to start running after experiences. That's not what I'm saying, okay? You don't run after experiences. You don't run after signs and wonders. You don't run after all that stuff. You run after God. How do you run after him? You pursue him in prayer. You pursue him in his word. You pursue him until you, until you find him because it says what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But those who believe that, those who come to God must believe that he is. And what? That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's our vision verse, right, for our church. And so here's the thing. He rewards you. you I'm going to let you know right now. I can't reward like God, and, but, I, but what I know is that he promises to reward us if we diligently seek him. And so how do we do that? We do that in prayer. We do that in worship. And you know what? Sometimes, look, I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes, and I, I have these moments, and I have, and, 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 and as I've been a Christian longer, I have, and I'll tell you, I have more moments that I don't feel anything than I have moments that I feel stuff. What do I mean by feelings? What I'm talking about, I don't always feel my hair standing up, because that's how you know God walked in the room, right? He took my hair, and it was like, it's not going to stand up anymore. I'm just kidding. Like, that's why you don't feel it stand up, because it is gone, son. But here's the thing. Listen, everybody's like, oh, well, I know God walked in the room because I felt him, right? And usually, you know, I, I, how many of you been in that conversation or you've been that person in that conversation? Look, my hands are standing up. Come on now. Come on. Raise up that hand. Come on, somebody. Right? Right? I'm not saying anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is you shouldn't be seeking your hair standing up. Hello. Right? That will happen. But there's some moments in my life where I just, man, I just need a breakthrough with God. And you know what that means? If I want a breakthrough with God and I need, I mean, I need to encounter him, you know what I got to do? I need to shut the cell phone off. I need to lock the door. I need to tell everyone in my house, listen, it's going to be loud. Hello. Because I'm loud, y'all. I'm not, I'm not like over here quiet. Like, God, please come. Like, God. I mean, I'm like crazy. Right? I'm straight, straight up. Y'all hear me, man? I'm, this is how I am when I pray, right? My daughter, ask my daughter. She, her room is right next to me at 430 in the morning. Do I pray loud? Amen. She's like, mm-hmm. I wake my daughter at 4.30. She's holy. Amen. Glory to God. She's like, I got to wait for you to finish praying, right? And, and I try to tone it down for her, you know, because I, I try to respect that. But the point of the matter is, listen, to pursue God, right, to go after God is to say, God, I believe that you are not intangible. Hello. I believe that you are a God that is involved with me, right? I believe that you are a God that is not far away. One of the, different, one of the big differences between Islam and Christianity is that Allah, you can't know him. Hello, somebody. There's no relationship between you and him, right? He's the creator. And so they're really deists that have some kind of mandate. But anyway, we'll get into that another day. But here's the deal. 
the, the reality is, is that our God wants us to know him. And he doesn't just want us to just feel him all the time. It's not that. But what I want you to know is that you can sit down in the word of God and you can be there in the scriptures and say, God, I want you to speak to me. And listen, read that scripture over and over and over until the understanding comes to you. And all of a sudden the light bulb comes on. And you know what that is? That is experiencing God. That's what, and that's what God wants for us. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't just want us to just walk around saying, well, you know, I know all of these things. No, no, no. He wants you to know him. So he wants us to experience him, right? He wants us to be unified in our experience of him. And then the next thing that he says here in verse 13, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, say perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so perfection and stature, the second thing was the expression of God. And so what is this about? Because here's the thing. I've said this before. I love it. You know, I, I, um, Eric said this. He said, I'm perfectly imperfect. Hello, somebody. And the reality is that that is all of us, right? We are perfectly imperfect. And so it's none of us. It's, it's not that we are going to be perfect. But here is the thing, that we are striving for perfection. Are you here? That I am growing. Listen, when you come to faith in Jesus, what happens is you are set free from sin. Amen? Amen. You are set free from the power of sin, from the dominion of sin, from the authority. Listen, you are set free to do what? You are set free to obey Christ. You are set free to obey. And here's what should happen. Listen, this is the bottom line. There should be some clear marks and some clear evidence in your life that you are growing. And one of those things is that you are not sinning as much as you used to. Are you here? Listen, I, I know some people don't want to hear this because, you know, we, like, we talk, it's like, well, that's works theology. No, no, it's not works theology. What, what this is is that if I am working out my salvation with fear and trembling, I should be dying to sin more. But here's what should also be happening. I should be becoming more and more aware of how sinful I am. You see, that, that, that's the crazy thing that happens is that as I am not sinning as frequently, right, like my thoughts are not going there or my actions are not going there anymore. That, like those things aren't happening. But as I'm encountering God, I am realizing how sinful I am in comparison to his holiness. See, that's what occurs when we're walking in a relationship with God is that we're experiencing him. We're walking freer from sin. We're striving towards perfection and that stature of the fullness. Why? Because you know what? Hey, God's standards are high. Hello. You know, we often say, you know, come as you are. And I say, yeah, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Right? You, you come, come as you are. Come as you are. Hello, somebody. You, you can't change yourself. But just know this, if you really came, he's going to change you. He's not going to leave you the same. If you really came to him, he's going to bring deliverance to your life. But all that's going to be coming through our experience. And then the last portion of the scripture that we looked at, he says that we should no longer, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitfulness. And so the first one is that I experience God, that our unity is in our experience with God, our unity is in our expression of God, and our unity is in our exercise of God's truth. See, what God wants for us is that we are not tossed to and fro, back and forth. That one day we're over here believing this doctrine. The next day we're over here believing this doctrine. One day we're all about this. The next day we're all about that. No, we should always be all about this. We should, listen, listen to me. 
Not just pastors, not just leaders, not just those who've been to Bible college. We, as children of God, must become proficient in the word of God. We must be a people that meditate. Don't just read. Look, I, I, I am nothing against you. all hear me on, on, the, on the morning calls and the evening calls. I read a devotional to you, right, usually, typically. Some of them are longer than others. But here's what I want you to know. Your spiritual life dep- depends on a lot more than just a little devotional. Are you here? Now listen, I'm, all, I'm down with devotionals. Read devotionals. Do that. Encourage yourself. Rebuke yourself. Whatever the devotional does for you. But, but, but you need to make sure that as part of your devotional time with the Lord, that you are in his word. Listen, do not depend on me for the word of God. Don't let the only time that you open up your Bible is when you come to church on Sunday. Hello, somebody. Don't let the only time that you open your Bible is when you go to connect. No, 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 no. You need to be opening your Bible. I hope that you will make a commitment today that you will begin to be in the word of God starting tomorrow morning that you will say, God, I'm going to take at least 20 minutes. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to give you five minutes because you ain't going to get much out of five minutes. I'm just saying, all right? I'm going to take at least 20 minutes to sit down and just go over your word. Take one chapter and read it like five times. I don't care. But here's what I'm saying, that you have to be in the word of God because if you are not in the word of God, you know what happens whenever people start talking stuff you're like oh that's great amen to that oh no that's no that's not God are you hearing me listen a lot of the junk and I said junk that you hear on TV it is junk hello it is not scripturally sound right God listen I'm gonna tell you like this God is not trying to make you smile every day you take that for what it is hello he's not trying to make you smile every day He wants you to have joy every day. Hello. But his goal for your life isn't for you to walk around with a smile all the time. Hello. That's not it. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He doesn't, listen, can I tell you this? God doesn't even, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to make you feel good about yourself all the time. Hello. There are some moments that God wants you to repent of your sin. Hello. There are some moments that God wants you to recognize it's not about just positive thinking. You can positive think all day. That doesn't change your heart. But you know what the reality is? The reality is that we'll listen to garbage because we are not, we're not what? We're not armed with the word of God. And so if we'll get into the scriptures, then we will do what? Then we will not be tossed back and forth. We will not be children, but we will be what? We will be mature. We will be maturing and we will be growing in the faith. And so the gospel invites us, as I said earlier, into a living and personal relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now hear me, when we are irresponsive to the word of God, not serving based upon God's grace, here's what happens. We subject ourselves to the deceit plans of the enemy to keep us confused, immature, and discontented in our relationship with God. See, when we don't respond to God's word, when we don't respond to what God is calling us to do, when we don't respond to certain, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I, think, I think probably one of, the, one, one of the most dangerous things for a Christian to do is to continue to come to church, come to church, come to church, and never serve. Because then you're a consumer that eventually becomes a critic. You consume, right? You want to come. You want to feel comfortable. You want your seat. Amen. You want your space. Amen. And you want Bishop to be done by 1230. Amen. You'd rather him be done at 12, but you know that that's not happening. Your faith has gone by and you're like, he ain't going to do that. So we're going to give him till 1230. Amen. Right? Like that becomes your, that becomes your, your thing. You become a consumer and then you become a critic. 
Instead of someone who wants to serve, instead of someone who wants to help, instead of someone who wants to build. Third thing, I'll ask you to repeat after me, is they serving? Serving. Is how we grow? In love. love. Serving is how we grow in love. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Serving is how we grow in love. The greatest testament to the maturity of a believer is their ability to love. Now hear me when I say this. Genuine love is not void of truth, but the conduit of truth. Genuine love is not void of truth, but it's the conduit for truth. See, I I, I, I read this quote and I thought it was really awesome. Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. You hear that? Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy, right? I'll give, give you the example, right? I, we always use the exa- I, I always use the example when we talk about love, you know, of our children doing things that are going to hurt them. You know, yesterday, and my wife warned me about this, um, yesterday my son and I, we were in the house, and, you know, he walks into the living room, and in the formal living room, obviously that's where the front door is, and so he walks into the formal living room, the door is locked and everything, and I'm thinking he's going to go over there and turn on the, the keyboard, and, you know, I'm going to hear it in a couple of seconds. And so I'm doing something, and I don't hear anything, and I'm like, what is my son doing? Because, you know, when your kids get quiet, you know they're doing something, right? And I walk, out, I walk out into the formal living room, and I see his shadow on the other side of the door. <laughs> so he's, like, looking, and I'm like, my son just walked out this front door. And then I go, I'm like, Josiah. And so I didn't beat him. I didn't do that because, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was, like, trying to scare me or something. I don't, he did scare me, but it wasn't the way he thought, right? And so ultimately, you know, I, 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 you know, I got down, I squatted down, I looked at him, and I said, Josiah. And I explained to him the best way that I could in English and in Spanish. I was like... <laughs> You do not go out that door. You only go outside with daddy, right? And so my love for him compelled me to share some truth with him, right? And if he proceeds to do that again, then I may have to, you know, act, act, act in the next level, right? I may have to show him, you do not walk out. No, go to God. The syllables, get the, maybe they understand. I think that's what parents thought, right? Like, syllables help us get it, right? You bet, and I'm just like, okay, that made me get it. I don't know, right? Glory to God. You know, amen. You know we all, we all got beat, amen. But here's, here's the truth, right? The truth is, I could love my son, and I could just grab him and hug him, and that's not going to help him. It's going to let him be hurt later on. It's the same thing for us with our, with our love with one another. If I love you, I'm going to share the truth with you. That's how we're going to grow in love, right? And so here's the thing. For some people, they have no problem sharing the truth. The issue is the love. And and they think it's okay. Amen. Well, I just tell it like it is. Time out, time out, time out. Here's the thing. Truth hurts enough. I don't need your nasty attitude with it. Are you here? I'm just, I'm just like that. Uh-huh. You need to repent of being just like that. That's just how I am. I, amen. I'm praying for you to get delivered from all that I am. Hello. 
That the reality is that we are supposed to be speaking the truth in love. That's what should be. So you're hearing the word of God. What did I tell you? I tell you every week. I try to repeat this. Those outlines that you have, they're helpful for what? To help you make disciples. So you can communicate the truth in love to other people. So you can help them grow. And you know what? There are some things that are said, a lot of things that are said in truth that are just painful. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't tame it with love, it's just destructive. It's just hurtful. Listen, I want you to know, there are some hard things that you should have to say to some people, and you will have to say to some people. You need to make sure that love is flowing in your heart and that your words possess that love as well. And if they don't, you need to be real quick to repent when you realize, man, I shouldn't have said that that way. I'm just saying. As stated early, earlier, we have all been gifted. A spiritual gift, right? We're going to talk about spiritual gifts next week, but I want you to get this. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. As we speak the truth in love, we grow in maturity and we offer others the opportunity to grow as well. And so when I'm serving based upon my gifts, I am able to position myself to do what? To speak the truth in love. When I'm serving in ministry with other people, listen, we serve, we serve in ministry in different ministries together. And you know what that gives us opportunities to do? It gives us opportunities to speak the truth in love. We're serving together and we are able to speak the truth in love when someone is doing something that's incorrect, when someone is not walking in scripture. We have connect life groups and we are able to speak the truth in love to one another. We have relationship. As we are serving together, we can do that. We should be speaking the truth in love. And I love verse 16. Now, I just want to read this again. And I want us to see this. It says, from whom, speaking of Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now notice that every joint. See, you and I are every joint. Amen? Right? We are every joint in the body. We are the different joints of the body. And every joint supplies something. Look at this. According to the effective working by which every part, we are every part, does its share. So what is it saying? It's saying that every part has to do its share. The power of God's spirit, the power of God's word operates in us, right? And it, and it does what? It enables us to do the next thing here. It says, for and, and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so we grow in our love as we serve and as we do our share within the church. See, it is not until we are all doing our share that the body is edified in love. Love is the circulatory system of the body. As we serve one another based upon our gifts and the truth, the word of God calls us to live. Love flows and the body grows into maturity. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet and let's bow our heads. My question to you this morning is this. It is, are you doing your share and the second question is, where are you doing the work of the ministry? And what area are you serving? And what area is it that you are giving yourself? What area is it that you're serving God the way that God has called you to serve him? And so as you bow your heads and you humble your heart before the Lord, I want you to think about, I'm serving, yes. And if you say, yes, I'm serving, then glory to God. I'm going to pray for God to strengthen you in your service. If you're not, if you're not serving... I want you to think about why you're not serving. What is it that is holding you back from serving? What excuses are the things that pop up to you? I can't serve because of this, or I can't serve because of that. I can't serve because of this, or whatever it is. 
Listen, God wants to liberate you from those excuses. He wants to empower you to serve, and that way you can do your share. God wants to liberate us from being consumers and critics to being those who are givers, to those who are contributors, to those who serve him faithfully based upon the gifts that we've been given. So as your hearts bow there, I just want you to grab your neighbor's hand. I just want to pray for us as a church. I want you to pray for that neighbor beside you. I want you to pray for them, that God would strengthen them in their service, that God would maybe direct them in their area that they should be serving in, that God would bring healing. As I'm praying for these things, you be that point of contact to them right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and I thank you so very much for each and every person that is here, for each and every person that has heard your word. And Lord, I just pray that we would be a people that are given to your service. I pray that we would be a people that serve you based upon the gifts that we've been given. A people that would serve you out of motivation from the gospel. And a people that would serve you because you're a great, loving, gracious God. Father, I pray for healing in hearts of those that are in here that have been hurt. Of those that are in here that have been let down, that have been rejected. Father, those that have have decided they're not serving anymore, God. Father, I pray today that you would turn their hearts toward you, that they would recognize that they have been gifted by you and that they're accountable to you. But more than that, Lord God, that they would just be grateful to you for the gifts that you've given them. Father, I pray for those that are serving in this place, my Lord. I just pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would guide them. I pray that you would direct them, that they would know, Heavenly Father, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they are appreciated by you. And Lord God, that they would be strengthened in their inner being, Lord, to continue to serve faithfully. And Father God, I pray for those in this place that want to serve and they just don't know where. They don't know what they have been gifted with. They don't know where they should serve. And so God, I pray for them that you would give them wisdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show them where they have been gifted and that they would respond to the call and that they would recognize that they're gifted by you for the edification of the body of Christ and for the glorification of your name. And Lord God, I thank you for this and I pray all of this in Jesus' great name And everyone said. Come on, give God a hand of praise. As Pastor Chad makes his way up here, I just want to make one reminder.